Good morning. Last week we spoke on prayer and what prayer is and, and how we took what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer and showed that it was kind of a roadmap for us. Today I want to look at the scriptures and, or the Bible and what is the Bible. Last week when we talked about prayer, we, we saw that it started off with the relationship, our Father who is in heaven. And then that relationship with our Father is to influence our lives. Holy is your name. Not only is, are we to recognize his holiness and allow it to influence our lives, but we're to recognize that God has a will. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How God invites us to be a part of the work that he is doing. And then he provides for our needs. And so we saw that the idea of prayer was not stagnant, but it was alive. It was a connecting to the living God and how important that is that we don't take away the life and make it a routine. Today we're going to be talking about the Bible. Now, I, I have a hard time with the term the Bible because... I think it takes away from the majesty and the mystery of what I call the scriptures. And so the name Bible sounds like the book, the one book, but this isn't just one book. This is 66 different books written by 40 plus authors over a 1600 year period of time. It was written by shepherds, it was written by doctors. It was written by tax collectors. It, it has a variety of authors, but we see a, a theme throughout it of God's working within men. And so I like calling it the scriptures because that's what the Bible refers to it as, the scriptures. In fact, it tells us that all scripture is God-breathed <coughs> and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul writes that the scriptures are actually God-breathed, that it's more than just ink and paper, but it is the breath of God, that it's profitable for working within our lives. Now, I know part of me wanted to talk about the authenticity of the scripture and the documents. You know, I wanted to talk about the historicity and the validity and all those things. And I could bring into to account the Dead Sea Scrolls where we have over 900 documents that were found over like an 11-year period of time that dated back. They found them from 1947, I think it was, to 56. But the documents dated back some 2,000 years or 1,000 plus years. It's warm in here. Is anyone else warm in here? We're, we're, we're frying. Uh, <coughs> I'm seeing lots of fans going. Uh, and, and so I could have been talking about, you know, all those details of why the scriptures are unique and how powerful they are in that regards. And 
give you information about the New Testament, the thousands of manuscripts that were written and passed around, some of them dating to the very first century, and how no other document of antiquity compares to what the documents of Scripture do. But that was falling short of really what I wanted to portray. You see, just as prayer was an invitation for us to be invited into the will of God, the Scriptures are the same thing. It's an invitation for the story of God to become a part of our lives. I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in church. I didn't grow up knowing about the Bible or the Scriptures. I I went to church once when I was real young, and I remember they put a, a black dot on my forehead, and there were a lot of candles, and I think they talked in Latin. At least that's what I was told. I didn't understand it, and so... I remember that, and that was an experience of church, and if they read the Bible, I I didn't really know. I don't think I had a Bible or really opened one up until I was in my teenage years. And that was the first time I was actually introduced to the Scriptures. And I remember I got this big, hunking Bible. It was a New American Standard, the first one I got. But then I was given a Thompson chain reference Bible. It was like the holy grail of Bibles back then. Has anyone ever had the Thompson chain reference Bible? And it was in King James, and so it was like God meets William Shakespeare. And and I didn't do well with William Shakespeare, and so it was difficult for me to understand and and kind of dialogue with that. Then I, I started getting more into the New American Standard, and then they came out the New King James, and they have all these different translations, and then they had children's Bibles, which they changed the name from children's Bible to the New Living Translation because people felt, I guess, you know, stupid if they were reading the children's Bible, but New Living Translation, you know, it's like, wow, I can understand. You probably didn't even know that the New Living Translation was really the children's Bible at one time. Anyway... Don't throw it away. If you understand it, that, that's good. That's the whole point. But I didn't have a whole lot of background in what the Scriptures were. And when I finally got to this place where I, I gave my life to follow after Christ, and I was told, you need to read your Bible, I didn't know why, but the people who knew better than me said, you're supposed to, so I did. And the first book they told me to read was the Gospel of John. Is anyone else, is that the first book that you were told? I don't know where that came from. I think John had good press back at the time. You know, Paul had all these writings and John says, hey, I got to get my book, you know, out there. So you guys, you know, here, make up little copies of just the Gospel of John and hand them out. And that way people will read my book. Uh, But really, John, as it starts off, is probably not the most historical of the Gospels. Luke gives a lot more history and is a lot more methodical as far as chronological than the Gospel of John or maybe even the Gospel of Mark for those who have ADD. It's shorter. You can finish it and feel like you've accomplished something. But but I was given the Gospel of John and I started reading it without any idea 
of what this book was about. And you know, it starts off, in the beginning was the Word. And I'm like, what Word? Was the Word. And then he says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And I'm like, what Word? What's the Word? When the you know, and, and then he goes off and he goes into this tangent, and it's kind of like he, he leaves the word behind. It's like, look at the birdies, you know, over here. And he starts talking about this until verse 14. He comes back and he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so John is kind of this abstract dialogue going on, which was perfect for me because I... I wasn't very methodical. I, I wasn't very chronological. I was kind of out there as, as it was. And as I started reading the Gospel of John, I don't remember how far into it I was, but I remember at one point I stopped and I thought to myself, oh my God, this is And it terrified me because my life up to this point had just been about me, my surroundings. And all of a sudden, it's like my eyes were opened and the story of God came flooding into my life. And I saw that I only saw this much of a picture that was this big. And as the scriptures became real to me, my eyes of understanding began to open. It, it began to open to the fact that God was real and was at work. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through him and through whom he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And here the author of Hebrews begins to write and he starts telling us that God had spoken in the past. And the thing I want you to notice here is that God was dialoguing with man, that God was speaking that God is speaking, and he spoke in various ways and through various means. He used to speak through the prophets, but now he's speaking through his son, who is appointed heir of all things. And you see, we need to recognize that God is and has been speaking. If you take Romans into account, it says the heavens declare the glory of God, that God has been having a conversation throughout all history with mankind, that he has been dialoguing, speaking into men's life. 
And it is manifested most clearly in his son, who is the word made flesh. The word made flesh. Why did he use the term the word? Because the word means it is an expression of. It is something that is being expressed. I had read one theologian that said that the Bible was truth frozen in time. And I understood what they were saying, but that really struck me because this is God breathed and and God's breath isn't frozen. And God was speaking throughout history and he is speaking still. And it's important that we recognize this dialogue that God has been having because as I went through that Gospel of John and was aware of, oh my God, you are real, I came to this understanding that God has been at work throughout all time and I just did not know. You see, I had lived my own life. I had my own story of what my life was about and it basically centered around me. And you know what? I know that your life is much the same, okay? I don't feel so bad being self-centered because I know you were self-centered too. We all are. When we are born, it's like we're all born, you know, like, you know, the baby Jesus. All of a sudden, you know, the the light shines on us, the parents pick us up and they hold us and they, you know, cradle us and they, you know, fawn over us and they're all happy about us and we think we're everything, And we grow up, you know, getting everything taken care of. I'm the center of the world. They feed me. They change my diapers. They do everything for me. And then as we start growing up older, we start having our own ability, but our lives are kind of centered around ourselves. And we think about ourselves and how we influence others starts coming into play. But really, God is not in the picture unless we see that bigger picture. And what the scriptures did was open my eyes to the bigger picture that God was at work, that God is still at work. And instead of me being the center of this story, I have the opportunity to be a part of his story. That I am not a novel about myself, that I am just maybe a letter maybe a line, maybe a sentence in the story of God and what he is doing and what he is working. And it opened my eyes to the big picture. And it's so important that we understand that as we go through the scriptures, what it's doing is revealing to us what God has done and what God is doing. And the power of that to change our lives can't be measured. One time someone asked Charles Spurgeon, how do you defend the Bible? And Spurgeon laughed and said, defend the Bible? How do you defend a wild lion? You just let it loose and it'll take care of itself. And you see what needs to happen is the scriptures need to be freed in our life to be alive, to do the work and open our eyes to what God is doing and wants to do, that it is God's breath for reproving us, for rebuking us, for instructing us. It is not a frozen document. You see, I don't want to 
just give you history and information. Because if this is just a manual of how-tos or history or what was, then we're in a lot of trouble. But if this is a document that is able to connect my life and your life to what God is doing, then it indeed is God's breath. God breathed on man, and he became a living soul. This is able to breathe in our lives and make us alive. It's interesting that Genesis opens up, and and John, his first verses are taken very much similarly from that of Genesis, probably the most common known verse in all the scriptures, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It starts off with this declaration, God was here first. It starts with him. And we have to be aware of that. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. The temptation of Jesus, as God drove Jesus out to the desert, it's a story that we're very familiar with. It's famous or or infamous as it would be. And in verse 1 it says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, it's interesting, as you hear that man does not live by bread alone, I know a lot of people are thinking, well, you see, Jesus was saying, I don't need food, all I need is the scriptures, you know, I can quote Psalm 1, and I will have all I need. No, that's not what he's saying. He was starving at this time. And he doesn't say that man shall not live by bread. He says man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And what he is saying is that it takes God speaking into this situation to produce what I need. Because what he is doing here is is he's not just speaking on his own. He is actually quoting the scriptures. When Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, he's quoting from Deuteronomy. In fact, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let's look at what Jesus was quoting, because I think it'll be enlightening to what we are trying to see here and what Jesus was doing with the Scriptures. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, we're talking about now Moses in his time, giving instruction to the people. And it says, Be careful to follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Now, he led them in the desert. Where was Jesus? He was in the desert. They were there for 40 years. Jesus was there for 40 days. 
there's so much correlation that is taking place here. He led them there to humble you and to test you. While it was Jesus, he was there to be tested. God led him to the desert to be tested by the devil. God sent you there to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out. Your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. Now, Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy when the children of Israel were in the wilderness and God miraculously provided manna from heaven. It was this kind of pastry-like thing. The word manna has the idea and meaning of what is it? That's what it means. It means, what is it? They didn't know, and so they just called it, what is it? And so God provided this manna that they didn't know what it was, but it would be there with the dew in the morning every day. Now, if they would try and take enough and hoard it up to last for two days, the next day it would get rotten, and it would spoil. They only had enough for one day. God was teaching them to rely on him. But on the Sabbath day, the manna would last for two days. That God would do something in it, would speak to it according to the scripture here, and it would last for the two days. And that they didn't live by the bread alone, but by every word that came from God. In other words, God spoke and gave them what they needed. And Jesus is saying man does not live by bread alone. But it's the word of God that gives what bread does to our body. It gives what is necessary for us to survive. It comes from God. You see, in the Hebraic mind, it's not a matter of you just eat and you have what you need. It's God has given into food what is necessary for man to survive. That God has spoken in to these things to give us life that God is connected to these things, that he is speaking into these things, and we are receiving from them. And so it's not a matter of, well, I just need some bread. No, it's not the bread. It's God giving you what you need. God spoke into that manna what was necessary, and on that Sabbath day, he spoke enough to last for two days what was necessary for them to survive what was necessary for Jesus to survive. And you see, it's God speaking that brings the life. It's what God speaks to them that causes the life to come about. And just as God with the word provided sustenance to them, the scriptures are able to bring us into that 
sustenance and presence and story of God. It's the scriptures that open our eyes to understand what God has done, what he is doing, and what he is continuing to do. You and I live our lives in so much isolation. We might have family, we might have friends, but we live our lives basically with who we've been brought up to be, with all the the things and the the burdens. Some of you have had hardship and, and hard lives. Some of you have had good lives and easier going. But a lot of times what happens is we get caught into this circle where all we see is our life. And some of you are struggling trying to find out, you know, why am I depressed? Why am I dealing with these things? Why do I have such hardship in these areas in this part of my life? Why? And then someone says to you, well, you need to read your Bible. And you think, what good is reading the Bible going to do? How is that going to help these areas of my life? How is that going to give an advance to these areas where I'm deficient? What is it going to do? What it's going to do is take your story, what you are focused on, what you are centered in, what becomes the centrality of your focus, and it's going to bring it into the story that God is doing, and it's going to open your eyes to the big picture and show you and me that this is not about you. This is about God, that God has been having a conversation with man since he created them, and his conversation is going on, and his conversation is inviting us into his work, into his plan, and we're able to open up the scriptures and read what God has done and gain from it understanding of what is really taking place that is bigger than you, that is bigger than me. That I can look at Abraham and say, this guy is a liar. He's also afraid. He's afraid, he's a scaredy cat and a liar. He lies about his wife, and God takes him and uses him to build a nation. Look at Moses. This guy is a murderer, and God takes him and uses him to lead this nation. Look at Rahab. She was a prostitute, and God uses her to save a nation. Look at Esther. She was a young girl, a slave, and God uses her to restore and keep that nation. Look at Peter. He was a fisherman. Look at David. He was a shepherd who became a king, who became an adulterer, who became a murderer, who became a man after God's own heart. And we read these stories and we see God is at work in these people's life. And then we see God is at work in my life too. And we read a story like the prodigal son or something that takes place in the scripture and you say, that's me. That is me. That's not just the prodigal son. That's me. Or maybe it's the story of Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. That's me. Whatever. You read these things and you find out that this is not just speaking about them. This is speaking about me. And what God did in them, God can do in me. And this is no longer just my life focused in on my problems or my situation. This is the God who created heaven and earth, who is at work, who is speaking and having a conversation. In fact, the heavens are declaring his glory, and I get to be a part of that work. And when we open the scriptures, we get to see that work. And that's why 
when you're having those times where you're just depressed and you start reading the scriptures and all of a sudden you find out that things start changing. What happened? God started speaking into your life. Your mind started becoming aware of those things. You began renewing your mind, not being conformed to this world, being transformed by that renewing. And remember, we talked about that in Romans, about the not being conformed, meaning not being naturally focused, but being spiritually alive, spiritually aware. And as you read the scriptures, you become spiritually aware. And God speaks to you changes you because he is having a conversation it's not just history it's not just poetry it is the conversation of God with mankind with you and with me and it needs to be a part of our lives I don't know how many times I have gone through my life and I have gained instruction, gained wisdom, gained peace, strength by something I had read. I don't know how many times I've opened the scriptures and my heart has been just broken or my life has been guided by. I've shared with you before how it was at a Bible study when Joshua chapter 3 was discussed in the devotional and it talked about Joshua stepping into the water and then the Lord parting it, how God was ministering in my heart. Sam, you need to take a step before I will work in your life. And I was like, well... You know, can't we be like Moses, God? You, you open the, the path and then I'll walk. And God was saying, no, step in and walk. And I was like, I don't know, God, is that really you? And I go home and talk to my wife. And she goes, you know what scripture I read today? It was Joshua 3. And I felt like the Lord's saying this. And I'm like, oh, wow. God, you are speaking. Or when Elijah took his oxen and his plow, and he broke it, and he offered it to the Lord. And I felt like God was telling me, you need to break up those things that were a part of your past and move forward. And the Lord again spoke the same thing to my wife. We didn't talk. He just ministered to us both what is through the Scriptures, guiding us in what we should do. How many times have you been in a place where you feel like, God, I don't feel like you're there. I, I don't know if you really understand or, or can relate or maybe I've done something and I know father I've sinned against you and you read Psalm 51 and you read the words of David and you think to yourself how can this man be writing what is in my own soul how can he write the things that I am feeling how can this man say those things that I myself am feeling And you identify with them. And they draw you to your creator. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the word of God is living and active. Some translations will say powerful, alive and powerful. The idea of powerful and active means it's at work, it's active. 
It's acting. I like the word active because it, it shows that it is not stagnant. It is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The scriptures are given to us to bring us into the living relationship with God. And I know that a majority of you here do not read your Bibles regularly. Most likely. And my goal here isn't to make everyone read their Bible more. That, that's not what I'm trying to accomplish. What I'm trying to accomplish or what I want to see the Lord work is that you would recognize that God wants to have a conversation with you and that you would enter into that conversation and you would open this up. And whether it's just a few verses a day, whether it's a chapter, whether you go through the year Bible and finish it in a year, that you would enter into the conversation with God and recognize that it will benefit your life to understand the story that God is doing and you get to be a part of it. That you would open this up. You know, the Pharisees read a lot, but they didn't get it. It's not how much you read. It's what you enter into this understanding. It's like, have you ever gone to the mall and you see someone eating something that looks really good and you wonder where they got it from? And you can either wander the mall looking for it, trying to find it, or you can humble yourself and say, hey, where did you get that? And they say, oh, I got it over here. And, you know, next to Nordstrom, there's this little place, and they sell these, you know, caramel apples that are dipped in white chocolate or whatever. <laughs> and, and when you humble yourself and ask, where did you get that? then you are able to get to that place. And if you will humble yourself, if I'll humble myself and say, God, where can I get something from you? God, I need to hear from you. And then take the time and open the scriptures and allow him to speak into your life. And you might not get that lightning bolt. Bam! Oh, God just told me something. You might just read the story of Zacchaeus. You might just read story of Joshua, but you know what you're doing is you're reading about what God has done and is doing. And now your story is a part of his. And the scriptures engulf your life and open your eyes of understanding to the fact that God is real and he is at work. And you might think, well, I, I, I didn't really get anything today. But then tomorrow when you go through something, that scripture comes to mind and it enters your heart and it reminds you of what God has done. And you say, that's me. God is speaking to me. And you see, this is alive. This is active. 
It's able to pierce our lives if we will humble ourselves and ask God to do just that. Do you want to know God's there? Do you want to know what he, he desires? Ask him and read. And if you have a hard time reading, get a CD, get a tape. Let it be a part of your life. Open your heart to what God is saying. Enter into the picture that God is at work in. And don't just be your own self living your own life. Because I pray that we would all have that awakening. I've had it more than once, and I've had to have it more than once, where I read and I think, oh my gosh. And like Jacob, when he fell asleep and he had that dream of the angels ascending and descending and he woke up and he said, God was in this place and I didn't know it. You'll find in your own life, you're reading this and then all of a sudden you'll say, oh my gosh, God, you're real, you're speaking and I wasn't aware. Allow him to speak into your life, into my life. Let's pray. Father, it's... In a short time, there's no way I can give the scriptures what they are worth. Lord, but when I began to read the scriptures, I, I didn't just learn information about God. I came to know God. I didn't just learn the truths about Jesus. I, I was able to hear Jesus' voice. And Lord, that is my prayer for us here this morning. That we would recognize that this isn't about getting more information. This is about entering into the conversation that you are having with all humanity and allowing it to penetrate our lives, to pierce our own souls, to divide between joint and marrow, soul and spirit, to allow it to reprove us, to exhort us, to rebuke us, to speak into our lives. And I know, Father, that it's so easy to say it's just a book. I've heard Bible studies. I've heard about that before and not recognize that this is alive, that this is your breath of life being breathed into us to quicken us, to make us alive, to make us aware, to give us eyes that will understand what it is you are doing we will just humble ourselves and ask, show us, lead us, speak to us. Father, I pray that we would. I pray that we would discipline our lives to hear from you, to read, to talk, to recognize that you are speaking. All we have to do 
is enter into that conversation by opening up this book and allowing your scriptures to be a part of our lives. We pray and ask your blessing in these areas. In Jesus' name, amen.